Lottery winners have been in the news. I read about a very, 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 very lucky lottery winner. His name is Jimmy Smith. And Jimmy would put put his weekly lottery ticket in his pocket. So one of his pockets was just full of lottery tickets. And I'll say, well, I'll get around to it sometime. Well, he finally got around to it, and he found out that he was a winner. But he only had two days before the prize expired. Only one year it's open. So he was very lucky. $24 million. Wow. Just imagine if you would have found it a week later. Oh, that would be so painful. A lot of people say, well, if I came into money or... If I won the lotto, I would be more generous. I would give more to charity and to the church. And I'd help all kinds of people out. Well, as many of you know, the majority of lottery winners end up in financial ruin. Because they just can't take it all. I can understand why everybody wants money from you and those type of things. So you don't want to be a lottery winner, really. <laughs> But sometimes we have that type of thought. Well, when I get more money and I get more settled, and then I'll give more. I'll be more generous. Well, friends, you can be generous right now. When we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about your time. You know, I... Today, time is a precious commodity. Back, you know, 40 years ago, it was important, but it didn't drive our lives. But really, time is everything. We have so many options, so many things to do, and we need time for it, and we can't put it in all of one day. So time is a, is a wonderful commodity that you can give. To another person. How about energy? Energy. That is a resource God has given you that you can be generous with. In ministry, as you work with people and love them and you know, get to know them, you'll find maybe a person who's really hurting. In our first service, we had uh, a woman who had taken a young woman under her wing. And really is uh, helping her, encouraging her, uh, giving a lot of wisdom. I tell you, that takes a lot of energy. Watching TV doesn't take a lot of mental energy. (laughs) Looking at whatever screen you're looking at, right? But you give the gift of energy away when you help someone bear their burden. How about your skills? It's amazing, uh, the people we have here in our ministry as I talk to them and how many different walks of life they they come from and their education. And uh, It's fascinating to me. I'm always fascinated uh, with people. But God has gifted you in a certain way in order that you might use your skill in helping your neighbor, helping somebody at work, Helping here at Springbrook. 
That's another resource that you have. And then there's your stuff. All your stuff. Your house and your car and everything you have. That's your stuff. And of course, we're saying here that that stuff does not belong to you. It all belongs to God. He's given it to you in order that you might allocate it in a way that glorifies Him. So think about it just for a moment. When was the last time I shared my stuff with somebody? When was the last time a neighbor came over? I know it doesn't happen very often, you know. But you let them something. Now, I know a lot of you guys have this whole toolbox room. It's just unbelievable. Everything's in perfect order. And what did I say? What I want you to do is I want you to go around to like five neighbors and say, if you ever need a tool, come to my place. Now, how do you react to that? Now, we'll tell about your generosity, right? Oh, they wouldn't want the help. And you'd have hundreds of reasons why you shouldn't do that. But you share your stuff. How many of you ever loaned a car to somebody? Loaned a car. That, that's a big one. And I know people who've done it here in our church. Yeah, your stuff is God's stuff, and He wants you to share it, to be generous with your stuff. What about uh, your money? Are you generous with your money? Uh, uh, <laughs> do you really want to help people? Have you ever stopped and you saw somebody in need? I know you have to be careful about that. But you have been generous with them in some way. Have you ever seen anybody broken down along the highway and pulled over to see if they were okay and they needed their tire change or any way that you could help them? I really enjoy doing that when I have the time. Uh, and, yeah, it's just a wonderful way to bless people. Uh, so, yeah, this whole idea of generosity is the giving of ourselves to others. How generous are you is a question we all need to ask. Well, I am so excited. We are starting a four-week series entitled The Genius of Generosity. It's material that has been put together by Chip Ingram. And we've done some Chip Ingram studies in the past, and they've been great, and this one is an excellent study. So I'm going to be using his material on Sunday mornings, and if your small group would like to do it, uh, there's I don't know, books and the DVD and that type of thing. But what I would encourage you all to do is to read Chip's little book called The Genius of Generosity. You can pick it up on Amazon for four bucks. We'll try to have some here uh, next week. It's just a great way to supplement this idea. You see, when you really want to grow in a certain area in your Christian life, you take time to learn about it and study it and process through it. So my prayer for you is you would say, okay, over the next month, I am going to pray and think about how I can be more generous, how I can give myself away. Several messages here. First is why it's genius to be generous. Next week, 
Generosity, the gateway to intimacy with God. Now, when I say genius, who do you think of? Right? I mean, really, that's, it comes to everybody's mind, I think, here in the States. When, when you, well, he's a genius like Albert Einstein. And you say, I'm nowhere close to a genius. I don't want to even be rated <laughs> in terms of my IQ. Right? But you can be a genius in generosity. Look at these ideas. To be smart, spend carefully. Well, that's solid advice, right? That's just, people know that. To be wise, save regularly. Now, again, we all believe in saving, but do we do it? <laughs> right? Okay. And finally, to be a genius, give extravagantly. Uh, I'm not sure about that one. Um, it's okay to give, but extravagantly? Have you ever given extravagantly? And wow, people have said it to you, you are an extravagant giver. That's what God wants from us. It goes against, you know, the way we're wired. The first thing about generosity, it changes our lives. Acts twenty thirty five. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? It's more blessed to give than to receive? Yeah, Christmas is finally over. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Especially you ladies. Oh, yeah. You can wait a year on that one. But many of you are very intentional gift givers. And you know a person, and you want to get the perfect thing for them. That you know when they see it, it's going to light up their life. Give them joy. So the question is, on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, did you have more joy from the stuff that you got or the stuff that you gave away? Now, typically, it's a lot more fun giving. Some of you might not believe that, but it really is true. Our elders, uh, we manage a helping hand fund. And you give so generously to the helping hand fun on a regular basis, and therefore we're able to help people out who are in need. Uh, this past week, see, I really like it because I, I get to give the gift. <laughs> it's your gift, but I say, I had a person this past week, you know, struggling financially, and we gave them a gift out of the Helping Hand Fund, and just to see the expression on that person's face, just the relief that just overwhelmed them. Friends, that's what generosity is all about. It's giving ourselves away. Let's talk about the genius of being generous. Generosity connects us with others. Connects us with others. The proverb writer wrote, The generous will prosper, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. 
You know, the great thing I love about God's law and His commands is that if you follow them, you're going to be blessed. What does blessed mean? It means happy, satisfied, excited. You're going to be blessed. Good things are coming your way. And God says, just become a generous person and experience what that's like. Because that's the way we need to change our lives. Have you had anybody come up to you and ask this question? Uh, you need to be more selfish. You're just giving your time and your energy away to everything. You've got to be more selfish. But of course not, because we're hardwired to be selfish. We're always thinking about ourselves. What's going to happen? Where am I having lunch today? Don't think about that. <laughs> uh, what am I doing today? You know, how can I make the most out of this weekend? How can I make the most out of my life, out of my job? I mean, being selfish is a 24-7 experience. You don't need to encourage people to practice selfishness. They're born with it. But generosity... Now, God says it's a genius to be generous. Well, why is it so hard? Because we're selfish, right? But as, as the Holy Spirit moves through our hearts and prompts us in practicing generosity, I want to encourage you all to think of something before the end of the message, something that you're going to do that's generous this week with all the different resources that we talk about. But you really need to practice generosity. But when generosity shows up, it is so amazing. I think I told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, in our yard in Lake in the Hills, how many trees did we start out with? Like eight trees, something like that? Eight huge trees. I mean, it's an old neighborhood and that type of thing. And over the last 23, 23 years, maybe five we've lost <laughs> There are three left. <laughs> One fell on our car. <laughs> Totaled it. One fell on our house. We had to come here to sleep because they wouldn't let us back in. Call me if you want to sleep here. Uh, great arrangements. And, uh, yeah, it's just been wild. Well, we had a really big dead tree in the middle of our backyard. Now, I don't really care. I don't think about it that much. But my wife, very responsible. That tree has to come down. Well, honey, it has to come down. Okay, okay. It takes me about a year to get around to it. Um, so what happened was, is that we had the lunar module landing in our backyard. I mean, this thing was amazing. Come Ed. He showed me all the different things. He said, I, I don't have the remote for it. I mean, can you believe that? It came on those, you know, little pads, and then it opened up. <laughs> it's amazing because this tree had some wires going through it, and they were not going to cut it all the way down. But Dave Oates, uh, my good friend, uh, he, he worked it because he's in tree management. 
And uh, they took down this tree, this huge tree that would have usually cost me $3,000 to do. They took it down for free. Much generosity, right? I don't deserve that, but God shows up, right? And when God shows up, you got to notice it. you got to write it down. you got to put it in a journal and remember when God shows up in your life. Well, we had this uh, branches and things of that nature. Uh, this is only about a third of them. And the elders were helping me with this, and the miscommunication happened. And so I didn't know if this Saturday was a particular Saturday. In fact, I slept in the what, at 7.30. And when I got up, I got out there, and I saw Brian Bork. And he was single-handedly taking all of these branches, using his skill and his strength, and putting the back of his pickup. Then we go up to Crystal Lake. And he worked like for three hours on this project. I said, Brian, you are so, I, I can't believe it that you would do this for me. This is really generous with your time and your energy and your skills. He didn't give me any money. Uh, but he saved money, right? He saved money. I tell you what, I'll always remember Brian Bork for that. Years in the future, I'll remember, wow. God was so generous to me through Brian Bork. It's fun to be generous. And that's what we want to discover as we continue to move forward as a family. Generosity invests in what matters the most. Generosity invests in what matters most. Now, we've talked about this many times, is uh, we're idol worshipers, right? Instead of depending upon God and giving it to Him, we'll turn to something else to give us instant satisfaction when really it's not what God wants and it's not going to satisfy Definition of idol worship, what we give our thoughts, energy, and time, and money to in order to find the satisfaction we can only find in God. We all have our idols. Everybody has that area. And when things are going wrong, they turn to that for satisfaction instead of give that craving over to God. Jesus, in this passage in Matthew, gives us three illustrations about generosity. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's your treasure? What's your stuff? It's your time. It's your energy. It's your money. All those things. That's what it is. So, if you want to obey God, you're going to invest all of those resources in what God directs you to do. But we struggle with that, don't we? There's all kinds of type of things we worship. Sports, smartphones. Oh, mercy. If any of you have kids, I'd really like to hear about your experience. I mean, I, I don't know how you handle that. I mean, you, I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but there's got to be some type of restrictions, right? But some parents just like, whatever. <laughs> They're two-year-old. And again, in the right time limit, but uh, that is a big one. Cars, home, yards, health, 
hobbies, comfort, children, status at work. That's a big one, right? For us guys, that's how we're wired. We're wired to get things done. Get things done so that other people will say to us, you get things done. Right? You really get things done. You're amazing at getting things done. I respect you so much. (laughs) Well, some of that is healthy, but a lot of it's not. And guys, I tell you, I just... I just want you to come out to the No Regrets Conference. Because... It's tough to be a, a man these days. Tough to manage all the different expectations. And, you know, the world is sending all kinds of messages. And you're just trying to survive. Well, I will guarantee your ticket at the No Regrets Conference. Because I know that if you come out with these other guys who are just like you, okay? I think it's from 9 to 3.30, something like that. But it will be a highlight of your spiritual year. And if it's not, I will personally refund your money. I wish I could all just get you out somehow. So think about it. There's a challenge from your pastor. Come to No Regrets on February 3rd. Buy your ticket today. And it will be a great encouragement. Reputation, entertainment, spouse, friends. Jesus here... uh, goes on to give us some financial advice. You see all kinds of commercials, uh, people who want to manage your investments and help you out in this area. And, of course, all of us are concerned about our finances and what will happen in the future and that type of thing. So with our selfishness, we put too much here on the earth in terms of investing our resources, because we say, well, I have got to plan for the future, and we have to be secure in the future. What does Jesus say about that? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Back in that day, their wealth uh, was in their clothing. Rich people had unbelievable Outfits, uh, jewels would be in them, that wealth as well. Or it would be in their grain. Or it would be hidden somewhere. They'd go out in the field and you know, put it in the hole and cover it up. Or they'd put it in the side of the house. But things break, things break in and steal. So Christ is saying, hey, listen. If you want to know where to invest, don't do it here on earth. Oh, no, no, look what can happen. What can happen? Your, your clothes can be eaten away, and rust or varmints can destroy your grain, and thieves can break in and steal wherever you've hidden your stuff. Do not put all your eggs in the earth basket. And that's what we want to do, right? Because that's what we're experiencing right now. Just don't do that. There's not a good return on your investment. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you know you have an account in heaven? You do. And whenever you, with the right motive, 
are generous with your time and energy, your skills and your stuff and your money, when you give it away, that's going to be kept in heaven for you. And I don't know, I mean, it's an investment, so it's got to be a good thing, right? Basically, Jesus Christ is saying, this is like 100% you'll get a return. Now, if I told you I have some type of financial deal going on and that you can put your money in, you'll, you'll get all your money back plus the same amount, would you do that? No, you'd think I'm crazy. You think I've lost it. You know, you think that I've got caught up in uh, <laughs> one of these, uh, whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't trust me because that is not believable. There is no investment on this earth, whether it be with money or people or anything else, where you're going to get a 100% return. But if you give yourself away, if you give your time and your energy and your skills and your stuff and your money away, let's face it, when you leave this earth, there is no U-Haul behind the hearse. You put it in the casket, it's going to stay there. Remember the great pharaohs and the pyramids? You know, that was all for nothing. <laughs> right? Hoping they'd live into the afterlife. And this is, this is, we all talk about the fact that we're on a spiritual journey. And the more mature you become as a disciple, the more you grow, the more you'll understand this. But I tell you guys, this is where the heart of it is. Because God wants to know, where are we committed? Where are we investing? In our relationship with Him or our relationship with the world? Not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wow. Watching the news this past week and out in California, they are just getting hammered. 2018 is not a good year. Channel the fire. And spread throughout the state. Then I had these these mudslides. I mean, these really big mudslides that took out homes and took out everything. A vehicle, you know, you find it two miles away. That's a mudslide, isn't it? Now look at this neighborhood. Totally devastated. You know, we think we're pretty safe here. In the Midwest, maybe a little water, but no hurricanes. Earthquakes, not a big deal. They say, hey, we got a good... And you look at these people on the news, and they're crying, and they're telling the reporter that all my stuff is gone. We've had tornadoes, of course, come through here. But what if we had a tornado and you were that person? You were standing up there in front of the news person. And you're saying, it's all gone. The tornado came in and just took everything away. 
Would you be able to deal with that? I'm always impressed with some of these people say, we're going to rebuild. I say, wow, way to go, you know. I don't think I'd be in that exact mood at that point. But again, when you look at that situation, tornado knocks out your whole house, you're sitting there, everything's gone. That really is reality. God's given everything you have, and he can take it all away in a moment. And we always have to be reminded of the fact that anything could happen. You could die this next week, and it all stops. All the things you've done, all the things you've invested in, and that type of thing, it's over. So when's the time to start growing generosity? Right now. Today. Today, I'm going to give myself away. As God encourages me to do. So we have the illustration of the treasure. He gives us another illustration, Jesus does. Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. All right, so it's a metaphor. The eyes of the lamp of the body, the sun comes in this way. And if you have healthy eyes, oh, you're good. You're good. You're going to be filled with light. Very good. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. The eye is bad. That same word is used for Satan, how he wants to treat you. It's bad. When you get your eyes focused on all your resources and you say, okay, I've got to manage this very, very carefully because I don't know what's going to happen and I've got to build security here. Your eye is unhealthy. You are looking at treasures on earth and not trusting God for treasures for the future. How great is the darkness. Same thing. Where is your treasure? What do they say about scandals? How do they really solve a scandal that's happened? What do you want to do? You want to follow the money, right? It's true. You follow the money trail because everybody wants the money. You follow that money trail and it will lead you right back to the person who started it. Oh, friends. My prayer for you and myself this year is that if there's any darkness in our body, uh, we would continue uh, to come uh, to you. Say, Lord, help me. You know, I'm so glad you're here today. It, it just really encourages me. Every one of you encourages me. Because you know what? Our service is like a spiritual car wash. A spiritual car wash. You're going through the week and you're listening to all the junk going on at work and all the nastiness and the hate. And you're listening to all the media and that's sending you a lot of wrong messages. And by Sunday morning, you're just covered. You're covered with sinful thoughts, per se. You're covered with temptations. And when you come here and you truly engage, I really believe, that God gives you a tune-up. He washes your body, washes your spiritual body in order that you might move. When I, when I came to church this morning, I couldn't figure it out with my, my car. 
It's so cold. <laughs> so I'm you know, scraping on the inside, scraping on the outside. And, and friends, that's how sometimes people approach life. You know, there's just a lot of ice and they can't really see and you know, it leads to disaster. But if you regularly are in God's Word and practicing the spiritual disciplines like fasting, if you are pursuing God and making Sunday a priority, I really believe that God uses this service to help you out and encourage you. I've heard that from so many people. Generosity frees our hearts. Now, this is the third metaphor. We talked about where are you investing your treasure. Then we talked about, okay, where is your eye? Is your eye healthy or is it bad? Because of the way you view all the stuff you have. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's strange. Don't you think you can't serve both God and Satan? No. He doesn't say Satan. Satan uses money. <laughs> right? To get us off track with God. But yeah. The bottom line is, are you worshiping all your stuff? And the other resources that you have. Is your eye bad and you're investing everything here on earth? Well, you are serving money. And notice there's no degree here. You're in one court or the other. One court. Money, are you worshiping money or are you worshiping God? And why money? Jesus Christ talks more about money than any other subject. A third of the parables are about money. Why? Because he knows that's where your heart is going to struggle. And he wants more than anything to have your heart, to have you generous with him. He knows that's the way that he can be Lord in your life. And he can bring good things, but so often we go the other direction. And he always forgives he always loves. That's true. You can go through this life and do what you want. Um, I'm a Christ follower and go to heaven. I, the point is, is that now is the time. Now is the time. So you're going to hate God and love money? Well, I don't hate God. Who said I hated God? Well, you are kind of hating God. You're choosing money over God and you're investing in things that are going to be, you know, taken away from your life. I really think that this is one of the greatest challenges that we face as a believer. In terms, are we going to hoard? One, another analogy, are you a stream or a dam? A stream, well, good stuff comes in your life and you just pass it along. Right? Just go ahead. But if you're a dam, you keep it all. And you're just full of stuff. And you say, oh, this is what life should be. And it's not what you want it to be. Right? Open the dam up. Break it down. The power of God. And unleash generosity into your life. Unleash generosity 
with your time. Give your time away. Unleash generosity with all your energy. Step into situations. Well, if I step into that situation, I can't do this. Well, if God's telling you to step in, step in and be generous. Give away your skills. Give away your stuff. Give away your money. Because, friends, that particular discipline will help you grow closer to God than most of them. Martin Luther King is being honored this weekend. This is an amazing man who God used to bring freedom to so many people. We're just going to watch a short video here in honor of him. It's also a, a I say to you this morning that if you have never found something so dear and so precious to you that you will die for it, then you aren't fit to live. Make it then. You may be 38 years old as I happen to be. And one day, some great opportunity stands before you and calls upon you to stand up for some great principle, some great issue, some great cause. And you refuse to do it because you are afraid. You refuse to do it because you want to live longer. You are afraid that you will lose your job. Or you are afraid that you will be criticized or that you will lose your popularity. Are you afraid that somebody will stab you or shoot at you or bomb your house? And so you refuse to take the stand. Well, you may go on and live until you are 90. But you're just as dead at 38 as you would be at 90. And the cessation of breathing in your life is but the belated announcement of an earlier death of the Spirit. You died when you refused to stand up for right. You died when you refused to stand up for truth. You died when you refused to stand up for justice. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Martin Luther King. Thank you for how you used him to give many civil rights to African Americans. When you watch the documentaries, it's just really sad in a way that they were treated. And there's still, of course, racism today. We continue to pray that you would work in our own hearts to get rid of racist thoughts and leanings and uh, Lord. You know, today is the day. Don't wait. Because if, if you say, I'm not going out there, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I might get hurt. I want to keep my stuff. It's like you've already died. But no, I'm not going to stand up for Jesus. You're dead already. If you're not willing to open up your heart and let God work. Thank you that you are such a generous God and that we are the recipients of your generosity. In Christ's name, amen.